morning, everyone. And if you're just watching for the first time, thank you. Today, we're continuing our sermon series called The God of All Comfort from the book of 2 Corinthians. Uh, this is a powerful topic for us to be thinking about right now because we are living through times where we need comfort and a lot of people need comfort. When we say comfort, we mean a peace, an inner peace. We also mean a strength and a, and a fortitude that comes from God, an ability to persevere no matter what happens. So that's what we're talking about when we're talking about the God of all comfort. My text today is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 through 22. And I'm excited to look at this with you. We're going to focus on verse 20. Before we do that, would you pray with me? I'd like to pray for you. Father, we're grateful to be together in this way. And I ask your blessing on everybody who's watching or listening. Lord, grow them into the image of Jesus. Make them more like Christ. Make us together more like your son. And we pray for all those in the world who are suffering. We ask your blessing. We ask your presence. We ask you to be near to them. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 says this, As surely as God is faithful, our word to you has not been yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Silvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in him it is always yes. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Now today I just want to focus on verse 20 where it says again, For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. Now, one of the fundamental needs that we have as human beings is hope. We run on hope. We need hope in order to go on. Uh, when life is tough, when life is difficult, we always need hope. And hope is an interesting thing because hope is this vision of a, of a better future that could possibly be. It's a, it's a trusting in something that's not here yet, but something that's still potential. And I want to talk with you today about the most sure hope that there is in the whole world. And it's the hope of God's promises, which are yes to us in Christ. God's promises are yes to us in Christ. And that's the hope I want to talk to you about. I hope that you already have that hope today. And this will be an encouragement to you. If you don't have that hope, I pray that you would have it by the end today. I want to talk with you from this text about what God has promised and then why we can trust God's promises, and then what to do with God's promises. So what he's promised, why you can trust him, and then what to do with his promises. First, what God has promised. Now, there's no way I can possibly summarize all of what God has promised, but I do want to be specific enough that, that it's helpful. So we're going to talk about five areas, uh, five things that God promised in the Old Testament that he has promised to his people. And I, I want to look at them with you now. The first is God promised a victorious, good, eternal king. A victorious, good, eternal king. Now we all want good government. 
We all want good rulers. We all want righteous laws and things to be run well. Well, God promised a good and eternal king. He promised this to King David. Now, you may know King David was the, the, the supreme king in all Israel. He uh, was the first major successful king. He uh, put, uh, he put all of God's enemies, he, he uh, protected Israel from all of God's enemies, and God promised him a son to sit on his throne forever. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So, one thing God promises to his people is a victorious, good, eternal king. A ruler and protector who will be over uh, God's people in righteousness forever and ever. That's a good promise. That's something that everyone needs. Here's another promise, a second promise that God makes in the Old Testament. God promises reconciliation. Reconciliation. Now you may know that the, the fundamental problem in the world, according to the Bible and according to God's revelation, is that there is a break in the relationship between us and God. We human beings were made to worship God, to obey God, to find joy in God. But instead we want to be God and we want to worship things other than God things that we have created. And so that has put us at enmity with God. It's made us enemies of God. And there's a break in the relationship between us and God. It's why we don't have inner peace. It's why there's a break in relationship between us and other people. It's even the foundation for why there's brokenness like disease and death in creation. But God promised reconciliation. Isaiah 43, 25, he says this, I I am he who blots out your transgressions for my sake, and I will not remember your sins. He's going to blot out transgressions for his sake and not remember our sins. For his sake, that's his promise. Psalm 103 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. God promises reconciliation, a restoration of the relationship, even while we are going the other way, wanting to be gods ourselves, wanting to, to, to make gods for ourselves. God is going to do the work of reconciliation. That was his promise. It's the second thing we're looking at. The third promise I want to look at is the promise of resurrection. Resurrection means life forever in a new body, that isn't subject to decay or death or suffering anymore. A new body that is freed from sin completely and brokenness completely. Uh, it's the promise of a new body in a new heavens and new earth where there'll be no more crying or pain nor shame anymore. And God promises this resurrection in the Old Testament, Isaiah 25, 8. He will swallow up death forever and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. And then later in Isaiah 26, verse 19, Your dead shall live, their bodies shall rise, 
You who dwell in the dust, awake and sing for joy, for your dew is a dew of light, and the earth will give birth to the dead. He promises to his people that you'll even get your dead back if they're in me. That's the hope of resurrection, the promise of resurrection. We need this promise. We need this promise and the the other promises because we need hope in a world that is subject to death. The fourth promise I want to look at is the promise of God's presence. In Isaiah 43, verse 2, God says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. So God not only promises a good, eternal, victorious king and reconciliation to him and resurrection to live with him, but God promises his presence even now. He promises the the presence of himself in the midst of suffering, in the midst of our darkest days. Psalm 16 says this, In your presence there is fullness of joy. Are you getting a sense yet of the incredible promises that God has made? Promises that we wouldn't even know are available for us to hope in, except that he has made them. And there's a fifth promise. Not only the promise of a king, the promise of reconciliation and resurrection and presence, but the promise of love. God has promised to love us. God says in Deuteronomy 6, he says this to his people. In Deuteronomy 7, he says, It's not because you're more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you are the fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers. Psalm 136, the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. Or throughout the Old Testament, it says that that God promises, I will be your God and you will be my people. God promises his love. Even though we were enemies, even though we broke the relationship, he promises love to his people. We don't have time for so many more promises. Promises of wisdom and how to live in this world. Promises of adoption and gaining an inheritance in him and being able to call him father. Promises of freedom uh, in our souls. God has made incredible promises. That's just a sampling. But what I want to talk about next is why you can trust God's promises. Not just these, but all of them. Why can you trust God's promises? Because we need to admit that it's not easy always to trust his promises. Uh, We need promises on the hard days. That's what promises are for. Promises are for the hard days. Promises are for the days, like, like for me, a couple days this week, not feeling like there's hope. And, and there's no reason for that other than I think I wasn't getting, getting enough sleep. But by the way, thank you for caring. Uh, but the, God promises hope. His promises give us hope. And they're promises for the hard days, for the tough times, uh, when it seems like all hope might be lost. And we should remember that we're not the first ones to have a hard time trusting God's promises. Listen to Psalm 89. Um, in Psalm 89, verses 1 through 45, the psalm is recounting God's promises back to him, telling God all the things he's promised. And then starting in verse, 30, verse 46, listen to what the psalm says. How long, O Lord, will you hide yourself forever? How long will your wrath burn like fire? Can you, can you feel how he's feeling? Like hope is lost. Remember how short my time is for what vanity you have created all the children of man. 
What man can live and never see death? Who can deliver his soul from the power of Sheol? And then he asks, Lord, where is your steadfast love of old, which by your faithfulness you swore to David? Remember, O Lord, how your servants are mocked and how I bear in my heart the insults of all the many nations with which your enemies mock, O Lord, with which they mock the footsteps of your anointed. Have you ever asked that question, O Lord, where is your steadfast love? Where is your goodness? What's going on in my life? Sometimes it can be really hard to trust God's promises. Our hopes are dashed. Our dreams aren't coming true. Our suffering goes on way too long. So when we love betrays us, a child is going the wrong direction. We try to pray and we just don't feel like God is there at all. God, you promised us blessing. How long will I feel this absence of your steadfast love? Well, why can we trust God's promises even then? Paul says here, God is faithful for all the promises of God find their yes in Christ. You can trust God to keep his promises because of Jesus Christ. You can trust God to keep his promises because of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the fulfillment of every past promise of God. And he's the guarantee that every future of God, a promise of God will come true. He's the fulfillment of every past promise of God. And he's the guarantee that every promise of God will come true. Let's just see that in a sampling in seeing how Jesus fulfilled the promises that we've already talked about that God made. First, Jesus is the promised victorious, good, and eternal king. He's born into the line of David. He's the heir to the throne. And in Revelation 5.5, it says, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered. Jesus is enthroned as the king, the Davidic king. Uh, who is good and will reign forever and who is victorious over all enemies, even the enemy of death. It's in Jesus that God's promises are fulfilled. Second example, it's in and through Jesus that our sins have been paid for and forgiven at the cross so that we can be reconciled to God. First Corinthians uh, or Colossians chapter 1 says, Through Christ, God reconciled to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of of his cross. It's in Jesus that the promise of reconciliation has come true. We're reconciled to God because of the blood of Jesus shed in our place. Peter says this in Acts 10, to him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So Jesus is the promised king. He's the fulfillment of it. And Jesus is the, the yes to the God's promise of reconciliation. And Jesus is God's yes to the, the promise of resurrection. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul calls Jesus the first from among the dead, the firstborn from among the dead. And that means that there are going to be more who will be born from the dead. Namely, all of us who are in Jesus, everybody who trusts Jesus, will be raised to new life with Jesus on the last day. And Jesus' resurrection at Easter is the down payment of that, the guarantee of that, the deposit of that. So we can trust 
that God's promise of resurrection is already yes to us in Jesus. We've already been reconciled and we've already spiritually been raised with him. That's what our baptism symbolizes. But we're waiting for the day when we will be raised with him and it's sure to come because Jesus is alive. God's promises are yes in Jesus also when it comes to the promise of God's presence. In Jesus, we can know the very presence of God and be guaranteed that we'll be in his presence for eternity. Now, Jesus, of course, was was Emmanuel, which means God with us. So he was the fulfillment of God's presence with his people when he walked the earth. But before Jesus ascended into heaven, he said to his disciples, I will be with you even to the end of the age. So he promises to be with us. Well, how is he with us now? In another place in the Gospel of John, Jesus made a promise. He said, I'll ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would dwell in his people and that the presence of God, the very presence of God, would be with us through him. If you believe in Jesus, if you have trusted Jesus Christ and put your hope in him, then God lives in you. However you feel, he dwells in you. So where is he in your suffering? He's with you. Where is he when he feels distant? He's in you. If you believe in Jesus, because Jesus is the yes to all of God's promises, including the promise of God's presence. And in Jesus, we can know that God loves us, that his promise to love us has come true, and it's for real, and it's solid. 1 John 3.16 says, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. You might be walking through a season of life, or you, you might come to a season in your life when you're doubting the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God. You might be asking, God, why am I going through this? And what you can know in that is that God loves you because God sent his son and Jesus laid down his life for you. So whatever you may go through, it's not that God doesn't love you. It's not a punishment. If you're a believer in Jesus, it is perhaps something God is using to refine you, to shape you, to grow your character. But God certainly loves you and he's with you and the king is on the throne and you've been reconciled uh, and you have peace and you have the hope of resurrection. All of God's promises have their yes in Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of all of them and he means, he's, he's the reason that they're all yes to us. We can trust God's promises even on the darkest days because Jesus is God's yes. So as surely as God sent Jesus to live the life we should have lived and die the death that we deserved and as surely as Jesus was raised on the third day in victory, he will keep his promises to us. God will keep his promises. You can trust God to keep his promises because of Jesus, no matter how you feel.
you can trust him. So God has made these incredible promises and they're all yes in Jesus. Now what do we do with all this? What do we do with it? If we know we can trust him, what do we do? Well, Paul says here in 2 Corinthians 1.20, for all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. So what do we do? We say amen. What does that mean? It's Hebrew for yes. So and it's sort of a worshipful yes. And I want to look at both aspects of that. It means yes and it means worship. So what do we do? We say yes to God. We agree with God. In other words, we say, yes, God, I know that you are faithful in the big promises. And so I trust that you are faithful in everything today. Be a great daily prayer to pray. You say to God, we say to God, in my loneliness, you are here with me. Yes. In the friction and stress in my marriage, you love me. Yes. When I don't get any sleep at night, you sustain me. Yes. Amen. When I'm afraid of the future, you are my father who knows what I need. Yes. When my hopes have been dashed and my dreams aren't coming true, you are leading me. When I'm suffering, you are near to me. Whatever good things I have lost in this life, I know I will get back beyond my imagination in the resurrection. Yes, God, I don't feel it today. It's hard to believe today, but amen. I trust your promises because of Jesus. Lord, I trust you because of Jesus. Amen. So we say amen. Yes to God. And it brings him glory when we agree with him. And we say amen to God in worship. Amen in yes and in worship. We say, Lord, I trust that you're faithful and I worship you. I give you all my feelings, all my desires and all my life over to you. Amen, God, you're worthy. These promises are true. I've been looking, God, maybe to other things to, to find hope, to find healing or just to numb the pain. But God, I say amen to you because I trust that your promises are yes to me. God, you're worthy. God, your ways are higher than our ways. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. I don't understand what you have me going through now. But even if you kill me, God, I will trust in you. I worship you. Yes. Amen. What would it look like for you in your life right now to say yes to God? To have an unqualified yes on the table before God. See, all of God's promises to us are yes in Christ. And so, if we believe in Christ, we speak our amen back to God for his glory. Yes, God, I believe you. I trust you. Yes, God, I worship you. Psalm 42, verse 5 says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation. God has made incredible promises. We've just scratched the surface. And you can trust God to keep his promises because Jesus is the fulfillment of every past promise and he's the guarantee of every future promise. 
Will you respond to God, no matter what's going on, with an amen? Let me pray for you. Lord, I pray for us. I confess, God, we have not, we confess, we have not said yes to you in everything this week. You said nothing but yes to us in Christ. And we've said yes, no, and maybe. And I pray, Lord, that you would make us a people after your own heart who say amen to you for your glory, who find tremendous strength and comfort in the yes that's ours through Jesus. I ask it in Jesus' name, and we worship you now. Amen.